live without it. We thank you so much that we get to uh, hear it read and preached to us freely. We can, have, we can hear it read and preached whenever we want. The freedom in this country that we have to hear your word is amazing and we want to thank you so very much and ask that you will uh, teach us something new today. Open our hearts to receive your word and really encourage us and help us to live more and more to glorify you through it. Amen. Okay, reading from Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healings in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. A reading from Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 to 19. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others, We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I just want to reiterate, it's, it's just wonderful to be here. Uh, pastors don't get many chances to visit other churches. We're kind of on deck on Sunday morning. And uh, so this is a special privilege for me. And uh, as I said, our church will be warmly uh, delighted to receive Duncan in, in, in exchange, kind of like Jesus on the cross, isn't it really? An exchange that happened. Don't develop that too far in your minds. That just popped into my head. Um, but um, also, uh, we will be, uh, Aldgate will be praying for this church uh, during our service. And we do, we do from time to time. And it's <clears throat> delightful for me to be here in person. And uh, so welcome. Greetings on behalf of all the, your brothers and sisters at Trinity Church Aldgate. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we depend upon your word. We need you to speak into our life. Uh, we need the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We need your redemptive power. We need to be fed by that which gives life. Uh, because we are needy, we see things dimly, we get things wrong, we are confused, our faith falters. Have mercy on us, and by your Spirit, open our eyes and speak into our hearts, and may your word accomplish that for which it is written. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to talk to you about doubt. We may not have thought it possible that a, someone who was a giant of faith like John the Baptist could ever have had doubts himself about Jesus, but he did. John, of course, was Jesus' great forerunner. He was the voice calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. His job was to get people ready that they would turn to the Lord uh, to be ready for that great moment when the Lord himself would come. He would come in judgment, but come in judgment to bring salvation. That was John's expectation of Jesus. After me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will separate people out like wheat and chaff. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Those were John's words. He was a prophet from God. He spoke with the inspiration of God and he carried huge expectations of Jesus. And yet, when he heard news of what Jesus actually did and was doing, well, it wasn't in line with what he expected the prophets had said that the Lord would come and set the prisoners free. John, the Lord's prophet, was in prison. John had expected that the Lord's Messiah would come. He would bring fire and judgment on the godless like Herod who opposed the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus had come, but astoundingly, he had not brought fire and judgment judgment on the godless. There was a mismatch, in other words, between John's expectations of Jesus and the reality. He had great expectations of Jesus. Jesus did not meet them, and that led John to doubt. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? This is after John had baptized Jesus, right? Now, maybe it could be that what has happened to you in your life 
has caused you to have doubts about Jesus? I'd be surprised if it didn't. Uh, It was certainly true for many in our church not long ago. I remember the day, Remembrance Day, November the 11th, 2019. It was the Wednesday night. It was a dark and stormy night, to borrow that cliche, but it really was. It was a horrendous night. And that night was home group night. And one of our members was driving her adult daughter, who was also from our church, home after home group. And then there was a crack, and even in the storm and the wind, it could be heard kilometres away, such was the sound. There was a massive crack, and a branch about that with the girth about that big, broke off and slammed on top of their car. They were trapped in there for two hours. The mother, Judy, died that night. And her daughter, with the top of the car pressed in, she did this, both her arms were broken, her neck was broken, but she suffered extreme trauma, of course, to her body and to her person. They were driving home from Bible study. Judy had just hosted it in her house. Her husband, he had been the one who was going to drive that night, but Judy said, no, no, you're in the CFS. You go out because there will be calls and you'll be needed. And she said, besides, it gives me a great chance to talk to my daughter on the way home. Well, I got the phone call the next morning, and that Sunday I was due to preach, would you guess it, on this passage, Matthew 11, on the topic of doubt. It was as almost as if God planned it, and I remember preaching, and you could have heard a pin drop, because we always gather to hear the word of God, but that day we needed to. We needed God to speak to us. Because suddenly we had a very strong reason to doubt Jesus. Judy had been in church all her life, but she had come to know Christ properly only in the last few years. She was one of those people you met who exuded the love of the Lord. Uh, She would uh, meet her friends numerous times during the week in cafes Uh, She was um, much loved at her school, Seymour School, um, where they live streamed to 600 people, the funeral. And um, in cafes, she would speak to people that she would meet, are you a Christian? And if not, off she would go. And she'd be so winsome. Now, what would your expectation of Jesus have been for someone like that? I'd have thought Jesus would have let her live longer. I would have thought Jesus would have used her more. I mean, it didn't make sense. If one of us had to go, frankly, why not take someone who was less enthusiastic? Um, That's the sort of a rationalist argument, but we felt it. There were lots of us who were less enthusiastic than Judy. Now, maybe it's just beyond you to think that Jesus would ever do anything like that. Isn't he the one in charge? Wasn't he the one who told the wind and the waves to be still? And they were. Doesn't he have the authority? Doesn't he hold creation in the palm of his hand? Isn't everything sustained by his powerful word? 
And so therefore, wouldn't it be the case that he would never cause an accident so horrendous, so random, to, so precise, to fall on one of his own? And I kept thinking, if, if only the branch had fallen a second later, it would have made the difference. So maybe it could be that we have sympathy with John, who was in prison, and who questioned Jesus because he had such great expectations of Jesus, but the reality didn't match. And so it's God's kindness to us that John asked this question. I said to uh, Phil Crawley, one of Trinity's trustees, I was preaching on this passage, and I said, I think it's about doubt. And he said, are you sure? I said, I think so. Doubt, right? The fact that a giant of faith like John the Baptist could experience doubt tells us that it is possible for the strongest believer to have a serious period of doubt in their life. So how do we deal with doubt? More particularly, how does Jesus deal with our doubt? Well, notice that Jesus doesn't rebuke John. He doesn't say, how dare you? He simply says, go back and report to John what you see and what you hear. He takes John to the facts. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Now, I want to say that that answer speaks to us. How does it do so? Well, because even if it's the case that we suffer trauma, even if it's the case that we never experience in our life a miracle of healing, the very fact that some people did gives us a powerful reason to make Jesus Christ our hope. You know, most of these miracles that Jesus recounted, they had never, ever happened before, or they were extremely rare. So in the Bible, there had never before been a miracle of a blind person who had been made to see. That had never happened. There had never been an account of a lame person who had been made to walk. Never. There had never been a miracle of a deaf person who was suddenly made to hear. That had never happened. And then there had only been two cases of lepers being healed, Miriam and Naaman the Syrian. And only three cases of dead people being raised in the time of Elijah and Elisha. It was extremely rare. And yet when Jesus turned up, those miracles happened as well. This is very, very powerful for us. Just think, think for a moment. If Jesus had never, ever performed these miracles, if we had no miracle stories of Jesus, would his teaching alone be enough to make you hope in him? I think probably not. You see, because as good as his teaching is and was, death would still have the final say. But the miracles show death does not have the final say. 
So what Jesus reports back to John, the facts of the miracles he performed, gives us powerful reason to hope in him because it says, you know what? He is the one who is able to physically deal with our issues. He is the one who is able to redeem us from death. He is the one who is able to restore our bodies. He is the one who is able to grant life where it has not been. But there's more. Jesus' report to John also gives us reason to examine our expectations that gave rise to our doubt in the first place. When uh, John doubted, he doubted because his expectations didn't line up with what Jesus brought. Where was the problem? Was it with Jesus or was it with John's expectations? Now we say, well, John's expectations, he was no, he was no idiot. John's expectations had been formed by scripture. That is true. But the issue is that John didn't take into account all of the scripture. He based his expectation on some of the scriptures and when you do that and don't take into account everything, it leads to lopsided expectations. Jesus straightens him out. You see, John was a fire and brimstone preacher. He'd picked up on the judgment parts of scripture, leading to expectations that when the Lord came, he would come with fire and judgment against the enemies of God's people and through that would bring salvation. John expected judgment and salvation to happen all at once. And we don't want to be too hard on John because in the Old Testament prophets, all that was said to, it would happen on the day of the Lord, which it was in one way reasonable to expect that would happen in a moment. But Jesus corrects this. In Jesus' report, Jesus takes... John, directly to prophecies about the Lord coming, prophecies which stress salvation first, and in doing so, Jesus separates out in time the salvation and judgment prophecies. And specifically, Jesus alludes to the prophet Isaiah, who in chapter 29 announced that when the Lord came, our covenant with death would be undone. And in Isaiah 35, when the Lord came, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk. And in Isaiah 61, when the Lord came, the good news would be preached to the poor. And Jesus alludes directly to all of those in his answer. So Jesus realigns John's expectations in line with scriptures, which John may have unwittingly overlooked. Jesus will come in judgment, yes, but also he would come to bring salvation and he accents salvation through his miracles. Now, why is this so important? Because Jesus says there is blessing in accepting Jesus as he is instead of as we want him to be. Let me say that again. There's blessing in accepting Jesus as he is instead of as we want him to be. Because listen to how Jesus puts it in verse 6. He says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble, which means to stumble in your faith so as to fall away. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus' assumption is that it, it is possible that our expectations of him can be so different to the reality that we could stumble and 
fall away from him. But he says, blessed is that if it doesn't happen. You know, it could happen if we think that because we follow Jesus, nothing will ever go wrong. Uh, we'd be immune from disasters. Well, expect that, and when a disaster comes, you might stumble in your faith so as to fall away. But there is blessing, Jesus says, in this not happening. There is blessing in sticking with him through disappointment. Better still, there's blessing in having right expectations. What's the blessing? The blessing is that the real Jesus, in reality, is better than our expectations. Let me explain. You know, all those miracles quoted from Isaiah, they signal to us something wonderful, that Jesus has come ultimately to undo all of sin's curse. And that is true for us today. You or I, I, we may not experience a miracle that we are aware of <laughs> ourselves in our lives. We may not experience a miracle of healing ourselves. Like Judy, we even may be victim to a terrible accident, an act of God, out of our control. But it doesn't change the reality that Jesus will grant life to all who believe in him. That's what the miracles stories point us to. You and I, it's like we are in a dark tunnel with the hope of heaven. Just like sometimes so far away, it's like a pinprick of light in the distance. You can see it, but it's, it's very dim. But the miracle stories, it's like in the dark tunnel, someone briefly just lights a match which flares for a moment. And we glimpse what it will mean for us just for a moment when we emerge into the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, those who've died in Christ, they have no sight, do they? Except when Jesus opens their eyes. Uh, Judy cannot walk again unless Jesus makes the lame walk. Uh, the dead in Christ, their bodies are dead and unclean, like lepers. They will remain so until when Jesus makes them clean. The dead are incapable of hearing unless Jesus physically unstops their ears and recreates them. There is no good news to those in the grave except the good news found in Christ and in what he has overcome. Where is Judy now? Well, where are those who were once here amongst you but are now no longer because they've gone to be with the Lord? Where are they? Well, they are with Christ. And that is better by far. And God sees so much more than our earthly life. The Apostle Paul says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of what God has prepared for those who love him. We glimpse it, don't we, in Jesus' own resurrection from the dead. But we know that for us, as good as retirement at Victor Harbour can be, the best is still yet to come. And every miracle that Jesus did was a sign of this. Every miracle 
was him undoing sin's curse and setting people free. And every miracle was pointing us to what eternal life will mean when we enjoy life with Christ in a new heavens and a new earth, in a resurrected body that is completely free from sin's curse and is capable of living forever in a glorified, imperishable state. Praise God for that hope. Sometimes, you know, we can't understand why. Why God loves us too much and decides to take us home early. But he can do it, and that's his kindness, because the best is yet to come. So if we're tempted to doubt Jesus, it's worth examining our expectations. And to illustrate, Jesus turns to the crowd, that is us, and says... Take the case of John the Baptist and what you expected of John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind, someone who'd just blow over to your wishes and say what your ears wanted to hear? If not, well, what did you go out to see? You know, a man dressed in fine clothes, a Kardashian or someone? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. So if not, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. Now, a prophet was someone who would speak God's words with direct challenge into your life, right? They were edgy. They were dangerous because they could turn your life upside down. They would get under your skin. They would root out hypocrisy. They would speak with clarity and change you. They would expose your inconsistencies. They would call call for repentance. That's who John was. A prophet was not someone you'd invite home to meet your parents and, you know, have a polite conversation at the dinner table. No, 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 no. Prophets were very, very more directed, more strong, more invasive, more revolutionary than that. In fact, John was more than that. He was more than a prophet. Quoting from Malachi 3, Jesus said, John was the messenger sent from God, the voice of one. He would prepare the way for the Lord himself to turn up. And being that last prophet before the Lord himself would come, this made John the greatest prophet in the time of the old covenant. Truly says Jesus, I want you to understand this. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. What an astounding statement to make. John the Baptist, Jesus says, is greater than Adam. John the Baptist, greater than Noah. John the Baptist, greater than Abraham. My goodness. John the Baptist, greater than Moses. Greater than King David. Greater than Elijah. Greater than Daniel. That's what Jesus says about John. It's absolutely staggering. Well, get ready now to have your hair blown back because next Jesus says, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. The most timid Christian who trusts in Jesus, greater than John. The Christian with the poorest gifts, the lowest self-esteem, who always sits at the back. He's the one Jesus calls friend. 
the vilest offender who truly believes, greater than John the Baptist. Not because we're more righteous in ourselves, not because we're more wise, but because we know the name of the Lord who came. We know his mercy. We have been accepted by his grace. To be forgiven through Jesus' blood is so much greater than anything any believer knew before John. There is so much blessing in living after John. Now, why is this worth hammering? Because although we live in the era of grace that Jesus brings, there is opposition. Verse 12, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. People like Herod the Great. You remember when Jesus was born, he tricked the wise men. He sent his soldiers into Bethlehem to slaughter the Christ child. Violence of people who oppose the kingdom of God. Or Herod Antipas, King Herod, who threw John the Baptist in prison. Now, why does Jesus say all this to the crowds? He asks, to what can I compare this generation? You know, they are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others, we played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. You know, Jesus, you're not dancing to our tune we sang a dirge, sad song, and you didn't mourn. You weren't marching to the beat of our drum. You didn't fit our expectations. You're not what we wanted. And this meant they didn't just reject John, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he's got a demon. It means they rejected Jesus. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he's a glutton and a tax collector. What's he saying? He's saying, if we expect God to say only what we want him to hear, we are childish. We are like little kids who kind of stick their lip out because they didn't get their lolly. Well, I take it that's not the reason you've come to church today, right? We've come to hear the living God speak into our lives. John and Jesus were different but both were rejected by that generation. John was rejected because he seemed too holy. Jesus was rejected because he didn't seem holy enough. Both spoke of God, but to the crowd neither fitted the mould, so they rejected them because neither John nor Jesus met their expectations. That is a warning, isn't it? Isn't that a warning to us? If we doubt Jesus because he's not what we expect, are we so childish as to think our expectations must always be right? Will we always fail to be satisfied like that crowd? Jesus warns us, whoever has ears, let them hear. In other words, we've got to pay attention to this. You and I, we have our expectations, don't we, based on our beliefs that because Jesus really is good, he has authority over creation, therefore, we can think we will always be safe. And we can think Jesus would never, ever cause bad things to happen to his own. What does Jesus say as his final word on this? He says, wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Look at Jesus' deeds. Listen to the report of what Jesus did and what you've heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy 
are cleansed. The deaf are able to hear. The dead are raised. And the good news gets preached even to the poor. That's the report. And we need to hear what's being said. Of course, it isn't a wholesale promise that none of Jesus' followers will ever suffer. There have been plenty of blind Christians since Jesus came, plenty of disciples in wheelchairs, Christians who've died from leprosy, and plenty of Christians whose lives have been tragically lost earlier than we would expect. But Jesus' report is saying he is Lord, (laughs) that he came to set people free from all of sin's curse. And these are appointed to Jesus defeating our greatest enemy at the cross, death itself. That for those who believe, for those who come under the banner of his grace for those who are members of his kingdom, then what this means is nothing can separate us from his love, not sickness, not death, not a tragic accident, not a tree branch felled in a freak wind gust. Jesus is bigger than all of that, and so is the salvation that he holds out to us. It may mean that you or I need to adjust our expectations that we need to hear Jesus' words and believe them. Blessed is the one, the man, the woman, the child, who does not stumble on account of me, who does not fall away because Jesus doesn't match their expectations. Blessed is that person who perseveres through disappointment, trusting in him who overthrow death, on the cross, and who rose again to guarantee our redemption. You know, to experience shock, yes, to experience disappointment in life, yes, but not fall away. Blessed are you. God promises you rich blessing. Father in heaven, thank you that Jesus, the good shepherd, has pastored us in his answer to John. Thank you that John's very honest question about his doubts was recorded for us. Father, may our expectations come in line with the reality of who Jesus is and help us not to let our experience of life dictate what we think Jesus should, to be, should be because this will always be a smaller, a smaller outcome than who he is in reality. Father, lift our eyes to the one who lived and died and rose again and ascended into heaven and is coming again. Lift our eyes and take us through the tunnel to emerge into light. In Jesus' name, amen.